This is why people buy cars. They go and buy a car because they can have a one year depreciation on it. But there's no car big enough for Elon. So this is just his vehicle. And so he says, I'll buy it and then I can get people to borrow back. I'll get to use it. And if you go look at the pitch deck, he ran it on marketing that he says, I'll basically be able to brand and market this to get the revenue back up in my marketing alone. And on top of it, he knows he can roll his other pieces of the pie into that communication and control that control the marketing. You're listening to the RE Social Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Vince from Onv Invest. For more information, go to onvinvest.com. What's up, you guys? This is Andrew and Vince from Onv Invest on the RE Social Podcast. Super excited for our guests. Um, we got some high-level uh, guests today. Really excited. I kind of randomly connected with him uh, via uh, Giovanni, uh, he's in his, he's in his car over here. I don't know if you guys can see him on this, but, uh, yeah. And so through Facebook, social media, and I just kind of put it out there. We're looking for, you know, more guests as our channel grows, as this podcast grows. And, uh, they were so gracious with their time to hop on, have a quick conversation. I'm really excited because, uh, very high level guys. And I, I love just kind of, I'm a big history buff. So I love getting the history of how it came up, how you did this, how you overcome that. And so hopefully, as we get value ourselves from uh, me and Vince just selfishly interviewing these high-level guys, you guys are getting plenty of value as well, learning how you can overcome obstacles and achieve greatness. Um, so uh, let's introduce uh, Ryan, R-H-Y-A-N. Man, what do, you, what do you think you're doing with a name like that? Oh, man, it, I was born that way. <laughs> I'm just dealing with it. So uh, Ryan with an what H. Think, my middle name before. is Ryan. So what do you think? You're better than me, bro? What is no, it? No, no, no. We're, <laughs> we're, we're in the same boat. <laughs> uh, Ryan, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I actually know very little because we literally just randomly connected yeah, online, yeah, yeah. which is cool. I think it's kind of cool. Um, so I'm kind of excited. So I know nothing about you, just that you own a bunch of stuff. You're doing things on another level, and it's it's very inspirational to hear. Uh, so tell the audience and and myself and Vince a little bit about you and kind of what you're doing right now. What 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 are you doing in terms of assets and companies and all that? Well, I like long walks on the beach. I know. <laughs> so uh, all right. So you know, a little background on me. I you got in the real estate business a couple of years or about 15 years ago. I was a plumber. Um, I was in the plumbing industry. My I went through a divorce. My um, uh, I had my daughter then. She was at that point three. I said, look, I'm not going to be able to drop her off to daycare and go to work and then come back. I'll miss her school plays. You know, something's got to give. Now, I was fortunate because this was, I don't know, 2000, uh, what was that? Uh, 2005, I guess. Yeah, 2005. Yeah, so somewhere in that ballpark. And then um, I bought property in 1999. So I bought property. It all boomed. You know, that went up. I ended up in three properties. So I bought three properties as a plumber. And then I, you know, used the equity in that, jumped into real estate. And then I worked on the guy's team, worked there for a little bit. You know, eventually um, I ended up opening up my own real estate company in 2013. Uh, before I did that, I actually did a lot of real estate with Fannie Mae nationwide. So I was probably one of their biggest, um, uh, clients. And so I had, I don't know, about a thousand transactions or so uh, a year that we would do. So we had that um, that shift. We moved over to um, to opening up first class real estate, open up a branch there. We uh, we took the branch and then we you know ran it for a little while. I didn't really know what was what. It just was what it was. It was kind of just moving along 2013 to probably about 2017. So 
you know, that, that period of time really didn't do much. I mean, we sold, we did all right. I want to be like the top team. We worked on that stuff, but really uh, it clicked in growth that we had to do more and we wanted to do more. And so, you know, from there we decided we wanted to go ahead and expand. So we added multiple offices. Um, so we added, you know, an office in another city and another city trying to figure out like, can an office run without somebody in it, you know, without me running it. And so we got to that level. Um, then from there, we, uh, we said, all right, well, we want to do more. We've got this model. We've shown this. Let's do something else. So we decided to franchise. So uh, late 2018, we, we went through that. But the bad news is we went from having a profitable office to having to use every dollar to keep the doors open. I mean, talking about putting 50,000 a month in, instead of 50,000 coming out, 50,000 was going in. All those properties I had bought before, I had them leveraged. I took the debt out of them to keep the business going. I ended up selling them just to not owe anymore, you know, to, to not hemorrhage the, the having to pay them back, you know, pay back the lines of credit. So, so anyway, I did that. And I flipped a couple properties, anything I could do to just kind of keep the doors open. And so we did all that all the way through like 2018 timeframe. And um, I don't know if you were going to add something. Were you getting ready to ask something? What, what happened? So this all happened in 2018? Yeah, 2018. Yeah, spent all the money to franchise. I built out this uh, 12,000 square foot building, $200,000 build out. I had already bought a building. So I owned a building. I know you guys are more on the investment side of it. But I bought the building I went into. I way over, uh, over repaired it, right? You know how when you go in, you want to buy something, you need to get the cash flow. It didn't matter to me. I was like, oh, this is home, you know? So, so you know, I did that and ended up, um, you know, leasing another building because I needed more space, but I still had that one. So I sold it off, I made a couple bucks, but uh, that was not until 2020. So anyway, long story short, I get that big building. I, I first spent 200,000 to build out my own place. Then I spent another 200 to build out Another 12,000. Now, remember, I've got those other two offices. I mean, if there's a way to screw it up, I did it. I mean, like, if you want to go over leverage, spend money and, and be an idiot, I, I paved the way on how to do that. So, uh, so anyway, I thought I could see this big vision. You know, you could see where you're going, what you're working on. And so you're going to go do it. But the thing is, is it always takes longer than you think. And it always costs you twice as much as you think. So, and that is such a hard thing to think, oh, it's just this. It's just that. No, it's way more than that. It'll take... Imagine having 32 employees uh, between the combined three, four offices. I had, I don't know, probably uh, 25,000 square foot of real estate offices, you know, between what was owned and rented um, and maybe, maybe 150 agents between all of those offices, right? And zero franchises. So, so I'm paying all the money for everything while it's not going. And then it was a great idea. I said, you know what? Let's open a mortgage company too. So I dumped another $50,000 into a mortgage company to get going. And that took six months to open. So it was just all money out and no money coming back in. So from there, that's the story of, of kind of how things went. There is an upside. There is a positive side. But essentially, that's everything that went on in the storyline. Now you go into the next part of it and it is... It is how do you bail the water out, right? And that was the, the rest of what we had to do to get us to where we are today. Wow. lot to unpack on that. <laughs> that was the hard part. Now you want to hear the fun stuff? Yeah. No, I, I had a quick question, man. Yeah, so, so while you were doing all of this stuff, did you, were you making any cash flow? Was there any money coming in? Like you were making 25 and you were spending 50? 
or I no, I had a well, so yeah, so money would come in like I would make 25 in the business and then spend 50. It would be something along those lines that money was going back out because I wasn't dispersing to myself, money wasn't sitting in there. And so all of this was a huge education. And I bring all this up because everything I just talked about, I'm gonna add on what I learned in each of those pieces as you're what you're talking about. So you brought up cash flow, and I thought I was making cash flow. I had a rental property that was making me five hundred dollars a month. The problem is, is then I put my daughter in private school. Well, mm-hmm. that's fine. It's $800 a month, but I'm making 500. No big deal. Well, then I needed a new car. No big deal. I'll borrow on that and it's $500. So I'm getting $500 in cash flow. So I'll cover that. Right. And so I kept thinking in that mindset, the cash flow was covering it, but it can't pay for my place I live in. Can't also pay for her school and pay for my car. I know that seems like common sense, but unfortunately that's how stupid I was in doing this, that I thought I was just killing it. And not knowing that the real estate market would go down and things would would struggle from there. So, yeah, it was always, oh, yeah, I'm making 25 coming in from the office. Yeah, but you just deposited 50 in. So so one of the things I learned in all of that was stay close to the numbers. Right. So you pay mm-hmm. attention to cash flow. It's all about cash flow. Even in today's market, with what's going on? People are buying stocks. There's no cash flow. You've tied up all that money. You're buying crypto. There's no money in that. You buy commercial real estate, you buy residential real estate, and you buy it on the cash flow. You're looking for the cash flow. Now, there's other ways to win, which I know you guys probably talk about on your podcast, which is the depreciation and you know uh, appreciation, and then you know the um, the cash flow and the and the principles. So, but anyway, yeah. So that was that was what I was doing. So I wanted to hit uh, Ryan was so you were doing this because it's very similar to our story. You know, Drew and I we bought a first triplex. We're doing the same crap. We were bleeding. We spent like fifty grand, just you know, dying every day. But I wanted to know what changed in your mindset or what happened that you decided, hey, this is actually very poor accounting. I need to bring in more. My debt coverage service ratio is garbage. It's below one. How did you make that switch? What happened? You know, you know, the biggest problem was all in the mindset that I thought tomorrow it was going to be different. This month was going to be different. This month was going to be different. Every time I look at the projection of what was going on, it was it was going to be different. It was going to be different. And and the, the thing that went off was it's not going to be different. It, you thought you were going to have X amount of sales or whatever it was, and then you didn't. Right. You thought you were going to have it and then you didn't. You thought you were going to have it. And so it was this continual roll that went on. And so I really I had a shift in that, that I wanted cash flow. I wanted to disperse money. And, and on top of all of it, that was 2018 through 2019. Then we get hit with 2020. So we're only two years from where we were basically, we have no more money. There's nothing else to do. Oh, and guess what? Here's the coronavirus. So so all of that was, I mean, like imagine you dumped all that money. I would probably a million dollars went out to get back to the place of 2020, 2020. And then the pandemic hits. And I just went, all right, what's it going to cost me to stay in business that I can't sell anything? That's really what I had to look at. Like everything shut down and what will it cost? And I ran that number. I was like, ready to throw up. I was like, all right, this office and this, if you kept payroll or if you cut all payroll, I think it was going to cost me 20,000 a month to not do business, like to just sit there, like to not have any employees or anything. And I was like, I remember having that conversation. Luckily there's PPP that came through that dumped and infused. And I just said, it was kind of like if you owed on your credit card and someone came in and helped you pay it off and you went never again, I'm never using that credit card again. That is really essentially what happened in that. The business kept on going and then everything from there. And like, so I literally, I have the sheet up. I was working on something before we got on, but now I track every number. Every business I own has a tracking. I have it back the last two years of, I know what I made in that company 
uh, that month and then all the way through the year so I can track all of those things. But then I got hammered last year because I made revenue. But the problem is, is I was dispersing it kind of like the person who starved forever finally got a little bit of income coming in and when you're starving, you get a food, now you're just scarfing it down. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you idiot. Now you owe taxes on all that money. And I was like, oh, crap. So now this year has even been almost completely different. And I've got some meat that I can give in this that, that I think we'll, we'll be able to take away is um, got the cash flow, got those businesses. I have businesses that make a couple thousand dollars a month. I just, I cancel them. I just get rid of them because it's, there's no value in it. It takes too much mental energy. So I don't want that anymore. Focus on a couple businesses that do really, really well uh, to growing and scaling. But so now you got to go backwards and you gotta go, okay, everything's got to be about tax saving. So we're adjusting the corporation to a C corp. So a C corp only pays taxes at 20%, right? And so when you go to the C corp, you can do that. The problem is if you take a distribution from that C corp, you're taxed again, right? And so you've got to be able to leave money in there and then spend from it, right? And so then you can take your LLCs and you can run those and then have your distributions from there, right? And so you really essentially want to have your credit card using of like your eating out or any of the stuff you're doing inside of that business before it comes out. I had a partner in the business and I couldn't do that. So buying out the partner allowed that to restructure. So that way I didn't have to disperse the money and then pay the cell phone bill kind of thing. Not that I did that, but you get the idea, right? So, so getting it structured that way, a C corp, so that way you can leave money sitting there and not pull it out and only have to pay 20%. And I'm gonna give you something else then. And then the other one is, so you're running through the expenses of it and you'll disperse on payroll and stuff through your LLC, right? So, so anyway, now we'll go to the second part. And the second part of it is what you can do. And this is what Elon did. And most people don't really understand it. And I, I'm going to tell you this, I barely understand it. And I'm probably wrong on some of these accounts. So somebody will watch this and be like, I know there's something to this, but I can't exactly nail it. And so what happens is if you were going to go buy stock in my company, okay, you wanted to buy 50% of it and gave me a check for it. You can't write that off. Remember, I told you I bought into a mortgage company. So I bought in. I couldn't write that off. I said, wait, don't I take that? And they're like, no, on top of it, you get a K-1 for the money you received after you bought in, right? So now you didn't pay, you pay tax to get the money and then pay tax on the money you made from the interest you bought, okay? The interest in the company. But if you buy an asset of a company, right? So you buy it into a private company, not a public, because that's stock, right? You buy private, then you can depreciate the assets. So there's something called goodwill. So the ideal will look something like this. The C-Corp makes $300,000, Okay. You don't want to just take $300,000 and go buy another business, another house or something like that. You want to actually take debt and go buy it. So now all you're paying on is that payment. You guys are shaking your head. You know this. I'm sorry if I'm repeating some of you've already no, told everybody. Keep going. So, yeah, it's perfect. So, so now you take the debt and now you got to pay the payment. But what you bought is going to pay the payment for you. You already know that. But now you just took, if it was 300 grand, you made in profit in your C-Corp and you had debt for 300 grand. Then when you go buy that 300,000 with debt, you now get to depreciate that 300 grand at whatever rate, every that may be up to, up to discussion uh, um, on what rate it is, but you can take it in 15 years or escalated based on what it is and depreciated. So that's why Elon had to do it. So instead last year, he had to sell stock. He had to sell 15 million in shares, to pay 10 million in stock because not only that, when he sold it, he had to pay tax on the ones he sold because it was realized gains. So then he owed again to sell to get money. This time he got smart and he said, no, 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 I'll borrow against my share. So when the shares go up, I'll get it, takes the debt and then buy something that it gets to depreciate against 
his thing, but he needed something worth billions of dollars to save billions of dollars in taxes, right? And so it's genius what he did, but everyone else sees it as something else. But we have to do the same thing with the way we spend our money and do our debt. Sorry, and, go ahead. And you're referring to when he bought Twitter? Yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Can, can you walk? This is, this is kind of fun because can you walk the audience through like why he bought Twitter for 44 billion or whatever that number was? Well, well, so he bought it, but remember the part of the deal and what people don't see is, and you guys know this is in the art of the deal, you can talk about a deal, but there's always an underlying art to it, right? Trump talked about it in the book of the art of the deal. Once you start seeing the art of the deal, they're going to tell you their hand of what they want you to see. This other guy, there was a guy that was running, I can't remember his name, the the, the one of the head guys that took over the, for the CEO of Twitter. He was anti him buying it. And I can just see they're sitting at the table and he goes, no, 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 no. You're going to pay all this money. If I buy this right now, you're going to take 20 million in income. Okay. And you can't stop it because they've already agreed on it. He said, but worse is you, you now have to take that. You're going to pay half of it in taxes. Do this, come in, we'll move it to private. You can keep your shares in private ownership. And now it'll change off into a tax deductible thing and not realized income. So, so anyway, going backwards to it is, the reason he paid that amount, I, I don't know. I can't figure out how he got the valuation. The only thing I think of is that's what they said we'll sell it for. But at some point, this is why people buy cars. They go and buy a car because they can have a one-year depreciation on it. But there's no car big enough for Elon. So this is just his vehicle. And so he says, I'll buy it. And then I can get people to borrow back. I'll get to use it. And if you go look at the pitch deck, he ran it on marketing that he says, I'll basically be able to brand and market this to get the revenue back up in my marketing alone. And on top of it, he knows he can roll his other pieces of the pie into that communication and control that control the marketing and then run the subscription up. So anyway, all of that is his value that he brings. And then he gets everyone else to buy in because they're saying, hey, we got to go buy in. And everyone that buys in then is either loaning money. So then they're getting a return on it, right? Based on what the economics, they're going to look at the deal and say it makes X amount of money. We'll loan it to you at this valuation and it's backed by cash he had in the game. If you go look at it, he has cash in the game because nobody wants to be in a deal if somebody doesn't have skin in the game. They say, hey, let's go do an apartment complex. You guys put up all the money and I'll run it. Guess what you're going to do? Run. All right. Run. Because, because they have no skin in the game. They have no reason to not, not let it go. He knows that. So he's going to do that. I'm in this with you guys. Let's do it together. And here's why. They're not going to broadcast that, but that's on the back end. He says, and by the way, my CPA says, if we buy it, move it from this to this, we're going to be able to take control of it. We don't have to answer the shareholders. We can say whatever we want, and we're going to get this huge tax advantage. Who's in? And, and that's where and that's where they're they're going on and on. And maybe I'm wrong. I could be 100% wrong, because remember, that's not public publicized. That's just knowing how the game is played yeah. and doing it. And everybody goes, oh, that's how it works when you buy a Bentley. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but... You buy Bentley, yeah, last year it went up, but it may not do that forever. Vince, I'm kind of curious as to your take. Vince is a super nerd with all this stuff. So I'm going to break it down, guys. Ryan yeah, Vince, super high level. Tell yeah. me what I'm wrong about and, break and it down, let's baby. start that, that way. No, Ryan is 100% right. He's just, he's just too advanced for most of our audience, so I have to break it down. Well, everything okay. he said is right, but I'm going to give it like super simple. So let's just take his example that he is, right? So Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk can earn income as salary. If Elon Musk earns income as salary, he's going to be paying about 65% in taxes, right? The second way he can earn income is through stock, right? That's what Elon Musk does. So what all, all Elon Musk has to do is 
he has stock in Tesla. He just holds it for 366 days, sells it on the 366th day. Now he's paying an income tax of capital gains. Now it's 20%. He just reduced his income tax from 65 to 20% because now it's capital gains. Now what Ryan was talking about is the bonus secret third stuff. Nobody really talks about is So what now Elon Musk does is, I don't even want to sell those stocks. I'm going to go borrow against my stock. Now, when he borrows against his stock, now that's not considered income from the IRS. That's considered expense. It's debt. So that's a business expense. So Elon Musk borrowed money for his business as a business expense. And he's going to, let's say he pays 5% income tax, uh, 5% interest on it. Now he'll go back to the IRS and say, hey, remember I borrowed $50 billion? You're going to give me a tax write-off for it because I paid interest on it. That's what Ryan is talking about. This is what most people don't understand. My boss, Ryan, he got a new job and he's actually, his, his name is also Ryan, but with R-Y-A-N, he's moving up uh, to another company, right? And in his company, he's getting his pay as 50% of it is just regular cash. The other 50% is uh, is uh, stocks. So the stock, all he has to do is just sit on it for a year and he's going to move his taxable income from 50% to 15%. That's crazy. So that he could already. So it's not like just Elon Musk is scamming everyone and he's a rich billionaire, evil guy. No, you could do it too if you have the option for it. So that's what Ryan is talking about. So I hope people understood that earned income is always gets taxed as high as second. You want to be in capital gains, and the third is debt. Debt is not taxed because it's not considered as income. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So not only that. Oh, sorry. Go for it, Ryan. Go, 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 go for it, Andrew. I don't. Well, I had a question just to cl- clarify for the audience. Um, when he borrows, say, you know, 50 billion at 5%, right? He's, how does that work with the IRS? He's claiming, hey, this 5% interest I'm paying on this is a loss to me, or how does that work? It's just a business expense because he's, he's borrowing money to buy another asset, which is Twitter, mm-hmm. right? But he's not paying any tax on the 55 billion because we don't know, we are speculating, but he probably borrowed that 55 billion against his 100 billion. Like if right. we have $100,000, you know you could go to Chase and be like, give me 50 grand. They're going to give you 50 grand yep. because you have $100,000 in your checking account. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's the game money, he plays. If you have money in the E-Trade account, right, or something like that, you can borrow back against it at 50%. At LIBOR, or they're going to some other thing with a P. I don't even remember what it's called, but something like that. So you can borrow at a low interest rate, right? And so he'll borrow at that. So even when we're talking about 5%, when you borrow back against a fixed asset or, or an asset that has a value, you usually get a lower rate than what everybody else. So he's not only not paying, you're talking about 5%, he ain't paying 5%. He's saying we're going to borrow. Why? Because he's got a good credit score, he's got cash. So you have cash on the balance sheet mm-hmm. and you're borrowing against an asset. And you're buying an asset that's going to make in revenue. They're going to look at the revenue that has come in. But yeah. now let's turn this to a property. So now we have a paid for property. I'm going to take a paid for property. I want to borrow 75%. They're going to give me 4 or 5% on a line of credit. All right. We're going to start with a line of credit. All right. Because nobody, we didn't touch on that part yet. I'm going to take it on a line of credit. And then the difference in a line of credit versus fixed is a line of credit is daily. Right. So it's running at a daily number. So if you get an influx of cash, you can pay it down and you're saving immediately daily on that amount of money. But let's let's fast forward. It's different than the compound. When you do it on the 20 and 30, all the interest is front end loaded. And so when you pay that front end loaded amount, you pay a five thousand dollar payment. Four thousand of it is is interest and a thousand is principal. When you do it on periodic based on a um, on a 
based on a monthly number you borrowed over that period of month, even though it's on amortized, I don't want to get too confusing, but anyway, it, it skinnies down how much principal you pay. So anyway, so he borrows that money um, and you borrow the money from that house and then you go buy another house, right? So picture it that way. So now you've taken the first hundred grand, you bought a house. Now you borrowed 50 to 75 grand. You take 75 and go buy another number. Yes, the numbers can get bigger. I'm just using easy low numbers. So you go buy another 75 that rents out for a thousand. So now you paid a cash for the second one. Now you're getting a thousand dollars a month. And now you're only, now you have the cash from two properties coming back. All right. The beauty of it is you bought two properties. Now you take a property, you divide it by 27 and a half, and that's what you get to depreciate it over that amount of time against your taxes. So now you get the revenue coming in, you get the interest that you get to write off right on, on the thing, on the property. And on top of that, you get the depreciation. So that's how we set up a property. So that's what you're going to want to do when you build the compound. I'm assuming that's the main target who we're talking to today, right? That's what they they want to set up. Now, the problem is the bank doesn't want to give you a line of credit because they can't make any money on it, right? So you're looking at it like Elon and these guys are doing that stuff because they can and, and because those people want a loan to that kind of borrower. Become that kind of borrower that has assets, that spends your money on, that pays your bills on time, that they say, yeah, we'll give you the money because we want your deposits, right? And so there's a, always an angle to whatever it is. The bank or whoever it is will loan them the money because they want that money coming back in so that they can have that and, bar and loan it back out at 10 times at 5% to somebody else. So they're going to take the receivables and loan it back out. Y'all are familiar with that, right? That's, that's pretty... Pretty standard. Yep. So, so Ryan, again, went super high level. Let me break it down. Everything you're saying is super right, but I'm going to give a very easy example. So even for Drew, he'll understand. So Drew, I've been doing this at the at like shadow mode for our business. You might not be familiar, but I do the same thing. So I'll give you a super simple example, right? So we have a, so for the audience too. So we have a property with my sister. It's in uh, Bakersfield. It's a triplex. We bought for 200. It went up by 50 grand. So I went to the bank and said, hey, you know, there's 50 grand here. Give it to us. So they gave it to us, right? At the same interest rate, slightly more. We took that 50 grand. It's debt. It's not getting taxed, right? Remember, so there's, there's no income. Nobody made any money. It's debt, right? So I took the 50 grand and then we bought another duplex with my other buddy, K1, and my sister is part owner of this. My sister magically made $50,000, didn't pay any income tax on it, and now she owns two properties. The first, uh, her cost left in that first property is $0. She got 100% of her return, but now she owns half of another property, which is worth half a million dollars. So the $50,000 is now about $750,000 worth of assets. This is what all the rich people do. This is what Elon is doing at a higher level. I am just playing with hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's playing with hundreds of millions of dollars. Billions. So we're doing the same game. Yeah, B billions. He's he's doing now. Billions. Now he's in, in billions. Yeah. So so look, <laughs> I'll tell you. Look, I'm doing this. This is the drawing for a building I'm working on right now. So it's a million dollars. It's one block off the ocean. Nobody else wanted to play. All right. And now what happens is there's kind of a wealth hockey stick. The rich, rich people that could do it, they don't have time to mess with this. I happen to need a building for my office that I wanted to own instead of renting one, so I'm restructuring. So anyway, so we're going to go buy this. It's a million dollars, which means I'm going to have to put $200,000 down. Fair? All right, that's, that's easy one, no big deal. But it needs probably about $500,000 worth of rehab, okay? So I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to get an appraisal at what it's worth after I do $500,000 worth of rehab. Right. So they're going to give me now because it's now turned from a dump to something nice. And I can do a good job on construction because I do it on properties and stuff like that all the time. I have the contractor. So so I said, all right, I want to borrow one and a half million. If I get an appraisal at two million, 
They'll let me borrow 1.6. I need 500,000 for repairs. I'll put 200 down. I'll immediately take a draw back as soon as it closes for 300,000, which will be giving my 200 back immediately. And then, and then I will pay, um, then I'll have 100,000 to start construction. And so now I've, I'll have pulled out 1.1 of my 1.6. And then I still have the rest of that to pull on as far as I need to be able to pull it back. So I'll have no money in it and I'll have a paid for property that's rehab that's worth $2 million at 1.5. And that's if I spent 700,000 actually, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. How are you pulling the 300 if you only showed $100,000 of repairs? Because the draws are based no, on no, repairs. No, no, I'm gonna show them um, a large amount of repairs. Like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave in any change orders, any of that stuff. I'll, I'll overestimate just to make sure it's all covered. But that won't matter. What will matter is that it appraises. So if once that's done by square footage and location, then it has a value, right? And so I know what that property is. Devin, you're gonna add something. You have the air rights too above the building. Yeah. So it goes up. That's, it goes up seven. That's worth a million dollars. Yeah, then the city's going to give me the lot next door because they want highest and best use. So I'm going to take down another million dollar lot for free by buying this one, get it right. Then I'll go to the bank and I'll get the cost for improvements. I'm going to add in parking, add in storefront, then add in um, conference rooms, training rooms and tie it into the other one. And then add apartments that overlook the ocean on top of that. So I have a longer term play on that, but I just, I'm going to get the building in and you get the building in owner occupied while using my owner, um, my owner, uh, my interest only um, line of credit style of business. The way I buy properties the same way I do that and I draw it out. So when I go buy a property, I know that I'm going to get 75 to 80% LTV of after repair. So I know my buy price, I just take it at 75%. So that way I know whatever that is, I'm going to be inside that amount of money. So, so I'll buy it, put my money down, and then I'll draw back for repairs. And it still adds up to ending up being the same amount of money that is in it. And so this, the line they say is you don't make money when you uh, sell a property, you make money when you buy. Because I've already pulled my money back out. And now I'm only selling it to get to pay back the loan. Right. And so essentially what you'll do is you won't pay back the loan. You'll take the property and lease it out or whatever it is. There's a, a old adage that said, never sell a piece of property because you buy it, you have the rental income of it and, and the appreciation, you're taking the depreciation on taxes. You have to pay that back if you sell it. So you'll take it all the way to the ground because you've already done the hard part, get your money back out of it. And so by buying them right now, the problem right now is everybody's going to say, I can't find a property. I'm like, they're out there everywhere. I just can't do all of them. I just bought a, I bought a three unit down at the ocean front that it was sitting on the market. Nobody touched it. And they're like, I can subdivide the lot and turn around and sell. There's a duplex on the backside and a, and a house on the front side. But see, I'm just, I'm hustling all the time. I mean, I'm doing the building. I'm doing the, the multifamily. We have the franchise business. we got the capital company. I mean, the, with the mortgage, the title, we're doing all of these all at the same time. On top of that, we're going to go get a line of credit. I'm working on it with the bank now to go buy real estate companies. So I'm gonna take their money, I have an overlay, I'll go buy the real estate company on a multiplier profit, and then I'll plug in the franchise business and then the mortgage and title, and that money coming back will pay back the loan to get millions of dollars paid off quickly, right? So if you go buy, like you mentioned earlier, Vincent, you buy a $100,000 property, you're only getting a small portion paid for by rent. 
If you're gonna go do a deal, might as well do a bigger deal. So now it's 20 and 30,000 a month are paying off in debt. So you're actually gaining equity a lot faster. Yeah, you're right, 100% right. Um, I had a, uh, so we've, we've talked about a lot of high level stuff, but I wanna uh, always like to break it down to so people understand too. So we like to talk about active businesses in this podcast and like, you know, like I have a job, I have a W2 job, Drew's got his S-Corp, he's, you know, he's got a music school and then you have your active businesses. And then we also own multiple properties. I think we're invested in over $5 million of uh, real estate, oh, wow. uh, about 30 properties, 30 units. So um, I wanted to know, so what, what do you got going on in terms of your C-Corporation, S-Corporation, which is all active businesses? I'm sure you have some management stuff. Do you keep in the C, so you leave the money and buy stuff and do all that. So you're uh, you're floating at the 20, but I'm pretty sure Biden's going to increase it to 28. We'll see. Um, so uh, so it's going to be there. And then you got, what do you have going on for like your long-term assets? Because what you talked about right now was just a very uh, commercial burr, as in buy, rent, refinance, repeat, and you know do that stuff, right? So what, what, what do you got going on in terms of active stuff, like franchises and businesses, and then in terms of portfolio long-term? So a lot of what I did with that stuff is I had to sell off a lot of the rentals. Now I got to go back and buy them, but everybody thinks that you shouldn't buy right now. It's at the height, but I understand that there's no supply. The interest rates are low. Everything I'm doing now is to drive up capital. And so, so to give you a full overview, when we went and sold franchises, we have even the ability for hundred percent financing. And so that was fine, but then it makes this small trickle come in of, of what's coming in and money, right? And now it's drawn out over a couple of years. So what we did is we I went and got people in a day. I said, hey, let's put this money together. We put together a capital company. The capital company is money where everybody puts money in. Then we buy notes at a discount with a 12% interest rate. So there's 10% discount with a 12%. So now that money's rolling. So if that's a million dollars, I think it's actually eight, but uh, you put 800 and they buy 800, then 17,000 is coming in. You're going to have bought basically 900,000 for 800 ballpark, right? So, uh, and then you're going to now get 17,000 a month coming in. But that's only part of it. You want to churn money. So then we take the 17 and buy another $18,000 note, if you will, right? Uh, something like that. So now you add another one and the payment comes back in. So you're taking the same amount of money. It's like every business you do, you got to keep dumping money in. You know, even with a rental, you got to dump in for the refrigerator or the roof or whatever it is. And this, there's no new money coming in. You're just putting the money back out in play. And it just keeps churning and churning and churning. And you just keep gobbling them all up with on your balance sheet. You'll add in and then add those. From there, we'll take that and either start buying out other businesses or we will sell that book of business, that amount of money that it's worth to somebody else for $2 million or something like that. Uh, our other play is that we're going to add a management fund and then we will turn around and we will open, it's called an incubation hedge fund. And so then we'll move from there and we'll have other outside investors be able to dump in. And then we'll go in and acquire other things once we've proven the concept of it. So, so that is, is kind of setting and forget it kind of business. With franchising business, we're going out there, we're disrupting everything right now. Nobody even really understands. We've already hit the ink. Uh, the, the franchise 500 in year two, we are hitting 75 franchises from that uh, mid-2019 range. We have area reps that allow people to go sell franchises. We've disrupted it. I know we're not going to go into all that right now, but but that's really just changed the game. And fr we've changed franchising. From there, we're going to go by dumping that money with capital. We get the line of credit. The line of credit, we go buy the offices. The offices dump in mortgage, title, franchising, and profit. 
Then we take the business and we have a, a private equity buy that money out, and then we'll go ahead and launch into a public company. So, so all of that's a bigger play. There are other things we're doing, whether it's rental properties or buying commercial, paying that stuff off. I have other stuff that's in you know the stock market. Nobody's really wanting to touch that right now because it's just so volatile. So it's kind of like set it and forget it money because. If you pull it out, you're going to pull out a loss. If you leave it there, you have a high propensity of kind of doubling your money at this point. If you're in right, you know, the, whatever is going to come back is going to come back, but you, you know, you're out of gamble. You don't, if you pull it out a loss, that's, you know, that's risky. That's anybody's guess. Um, so, so we've got that stuff. And then um, the mortgage and title is also national. So then that goes in every franchise then owns a mortgage and title. And we run the backside of that. So we run the backside of the real estate mortgage and title. So those are the companies that are running. Then all that money is built up in there that we then borrow against, right? Instead of using, because as soon as we take it out, it's now it's now a capital gains uh, payment on it. So we don't want to do that. So we're just building money to go borrow. Even with real estate, we're building money and borrowing just to have it paid for. So it's kind of like a nest egg of like, we're not putting any capital in. We're only borrowing against to keep on doing it. Scary part is, and you, you guys probably know this, that anytime you're over leveraged, you, know, you don't want to be over leveraged. So you got to stay close to the numbers, pay close attention you know, to what's going on. Don't go out there and overextend, buy things right with the right numbers, um, make sure the cash flow is there. And once you can go through all this crap and screw up I did, I now know not what not to do. And I now know when I'm going in and buying a business, what was broken. So I can go and fix it just like I can a house, just like I can a business. And so all of that screw up was now education to go do it better. Hopefully you guys and the people listening are going to do it better than I did. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you. I had a quick follow up and then I want to hit something. I know we don't want to take too much of your time was you did mention that you hold notes in a different uh, thing. So that's just you just being a bank. So you don't get any depreciation and you don't really own the asset. You're, you're a bank, no, right? It's just money. Yeah. So so do you have assets too? Like you own, like you mentioned, like you do you own the buildings of the mortgage companies and stuff so you can do uh, cost segregation, depreciation and stuff? Or are you so mostly- do we own the building of the mortgage company? Like yeah. that it's in? The, no, we don't have that one. This one I'm moving over to. I sold off that one building, moved to uh -huh. the other, but the business getting it up in profit, we didn't own it. That's why I'm pushing to go buy this other building and going back into all this other stuff. So that's why I had to sell almost everything off. I got and you. now, you know, it's almost like you wish you'd held it, but you didn't yeah, know yeah. that in 2020, I needed to make sure I didn't have any debt. So I went zero debt. I like literally had no debt, but that's what murdered me on making me learn the stuff I'm even telling you guys about that I had to go figure out. I figured out the hard way. So oh, I got you. So you have a lot of uh, like cash flowing companies you're part of, but you're kind of behind the scenes. Like you own notes in those businesses. You don't really own any structures or buildings or like land or anything like that now at the moment, right? I'm trying to think. I mean, I own the house I live in. Oh, um, nice. Cool. I own. Uh, I'm with like I own it like free and clear, but I um and then. We have a couple of that. We have another building and then a couple of the, um, we have, I don't know, five or six residential properties. So that's why we're oh, that's going cool. back, taking that and buying them up. So yeah, it's not like we have millions of dollars. Well, I guess it depends on how you quantify that, but yeah, we don't have. Millions that's of cool, man. Else, so. No, just, I'm just trying to know so that, you know, people understand. So there are different sure. things, you know, like when you say you, you, people hold notes, it's different. So you're, you're like Bank of America, like like my property you're seeing right now is a, a single family with the ADU in Costa Mesa. It's like a million bucks. But the, um, I don't know which bank, I think Frank's Maestro, someone, they own 
a $960,000 note on it. They don't get any benefits of owning this because I own it, but I only have a couple hundred grand of real estate. So you're, you're on the same, you're like just like a bank. Like the it, school. Just, it just depends on what you want, right? So yeah. if you want cash flow, there's this mm-hmm. old saying and it's the money's in the money, right? And so yep. if you have a fixed asset, it's great against inflation in my opinion. I mean, because yep. as the dollar loses value, you're holding something of value to go back against it. So it has a huge value. Holding a note essentially becomes a bad thing over a period of time because as as the dollar loses value over time, you're, you're losing it. At the same time, mm-hmm. there's a lot of places you can't put cash right now, right? And so, so there's a plus and a minus to each side of them. Uh, you know, we try and diversify between, you know, gold, crypto, we, I mean, we have stocks, we have, we have a, all of it. I mean, we, we have everything you would look at, whether it's commercial, residential, you know, a little kind of every, and then you just kind of go back and you figure out what's going on with what, and then go heavier into to, to that space, you know, and right now there's a lot of uncertainty. So it's, it's just, you don't know which way to go and you don't want to be all in one. If you go all in stock right now and it goes down again, you're, you're in trouble, but that's the same point of that to your point is when you own stocks, you don't, you don't own a fixed asset. So you don't get the appreciation of it. You only own similar to owning a note. You're getting a dividend off of it. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm big into, into what you guys are doing. That's a, that's a good play. The challenge with it is, is it all comes down to how quickly you can depreciate it. So when you start doing more money faster, you've got to do where you buy more properties at a faster rate to kind of get there. And, you know, and then you're, you're kind of chasing it because you're adding more and more debt based on what the interest rate is, based on what the purchase price is. You know, you're kind of adding risk, but you have to add risk to keep adding on to that model. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like that with every business. You're always chasing it. Yeah, man, it's, it's cool, man. I like the notes of, uh, I actually bought a, uh, I bought a property with cash and had a, a note on it. And then, you know, Drew owns it hundred percent, but you know, it doesn't matter if you're a business partner. So we split it anyway, but I do the same thing. So because when you hold notes on it, you get better rates because you follow term refinance instead of a cash out refinance. So that is investment property he has, he's paying like 3% instead of like 5%, right? So there's like different uh, strategies you could do, but I just want the audience to know there's, uh, there's active businesses where Drew's teaching uh, guitar or you can own Drew's guitar business. He kind of does both on that one. That's a bad example. But uh, other than that, like, you know, like my job is uh, like active. I have to go work, I make money and I take that money and then I buy real estate. Same thing you're doing. You, you have notes, you're a bank and you buy and then eventually you can make the jump to actually own businesses. I had a quick question uh, before I forget was, you mentioned that you are a plumber and then you said you bought, houses from being a plumber nobody does that so what what made you jump that mindset like oh you know doing this plumbing job forever is not going to make me wealthy and you decided to buy some houses what was that shift in your mindset that made you do that yeah you know i almost like every part of the story of my life is there's been some kind of coincidence you can always take some bookmark in it and go this happened and this led to this you know and and i almost i feel like it's happened so often that that it, it almost feels like it's supposed to, but but more so I say that because it means it happens to everybody. These opportunities that I'm, I'm getting ready to explain to you what happened, but it, it happens to everybody, but some people just walk past it. And how many of them do we not pay attention to that opportunities there? You're going to tell somebody about something here and they're going to say, yeah, 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 and move on, right? And they're not going to pay attention to it. But over and over, they were on this podcast, they got this information, they got yeah, 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 and they moved on. And they have a pattern of that. 
I have a pattern of not saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a pattern of saying, hey, that's a good idea. Let me look at it. Let's go do it. Let's go figure it out. If it's a good idea, then I want to do it. If it's a bad idea, I want to not do it, right? So anyway, long story short, my aunt works at Liberty Tax. Uh, the CEO of that ends up, uh, you know, kind of mentoring her. I'm 19 years old. I have a, a brand new baby. Um, well, no, I'm in low income housing before this. I get this book. She says, hey, you should uh, read this. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So, so that book started it, right? And I got it. You know, I've had people read it and they they don't fully get it. And I went, okay. So that started at 19 years old. And then um, and then come a girl I was dating at the time. So at that point in time, her parents wanted to sell a property and it's in 99. They took a duplex, divided it out and sold me half of it, which was 60 grand at the time. And so uh, at the oceanfront, so... So anyway, they uh, they sold that to me and they were offering it and the payment on it, I could get 100% financing. So my aunt did financing. This person had the property and this other aunt had had the book. Right. So all of that kind of went in together and I was in low income housing. I'm like, well, I'm paying 600 bucks a month here. I might as well pay 600 bucks a month for buying a house. And so put two grand down and bought the house and went on from there. So, so all of that's what, what started to, to doing that, to buying the real estate. Well, as things kept going up, my equity in the house went up. So it's just like, duh, you should buy more. Right. And so for then we just went and we moved, I moved and then I moved again. Right. And so I could buy a HUD house as an owner occupied. So, and then I got owner occupied rates and then, and then I went through the divorce and I said, well, I can't live in this big house. So now I need a smaller house. So I downsized. So I bought another one. And then because I was getting licensed, I was able to get the commission back at the same time. So then I got some of the commission back, plus bought a house. And now I had the cash flow of those others paying for the house I was in. So that's the that's how that happened to have all of those, all of those properties and what what market was that? What what state city was Virginia that? Beach, Virginia, all in Virginia oh, Beach. So nice. That's where you're based out of. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's funny, it's as you were going, um, quite a bit of it has gone over my head to be completely honest. I know Vince is catching it, but um, I definitely wanted to, you know, relate to the audience who I feel like would probably benefit from this as well. I'm glad you mentioned like that book, like rich dad, poor dad. That's obviously what got us started on our journey. What are the books would you recommend that would help to educate people like myself to kind of keep up with what you're talking about in terms of how you're doing business now? I, I like offense and defense uh, on the defensive side. And what I mean by that is you can make money and you can save money and not spend it. Right. And so uh, live rich by spending smart, it's a silly little book, but I mean, that book really is key to, to not spending a lot of money and finding ways to, to not spend money and save, even calling on your insurance right now, you can call around and get somebody to do it for less. And that's going to save you in perpetuity because if you, you know, you do it one time and you save ongoing. So those are applicable type steps you can find. The other one, millionaire next door, you know, people all around, they all talk, you know, they got big hat and no cattle is what he says in there. You know, they're all for show with what you're seeing and it's not really like they have any real money. And so they're on a house of cards. You don't want to be that. I mean, I, I mean, I've had it, I've had nice watches. So like, I said, man, forget that. I don't, I don't care about that. That thing can't make me any money. I'm out of that. So if it can't make money or doesn't, doesn't add value or, you know, something to that effect, you're going to take after tax money and purchase it and lose. And so just to show off for somebody. So we have older model cars, you know, I mean, we happen to be Tesla, but that's because it saves like it saves gas. Right. So, so it's just, you don't have to spend on gas and now you can have the advantages of that. So, you anyway, know, that's the, 
Uh, the other books, I really like E-Myth Revision. I'm sorry, I'm looking over here because I got a couple books over here. Profit First, if you're running a business, Profit First is a key book to getting that, that business in the profit and how you set up those accounts. You can have variations to it. It's a pretty high level book and almost boring because you're reading an accounting book. I mean, that's like like yawning. Um, the, um, what was the other one I said? Oh, E-Myth. E-Myth running a business, trying to figure out a model and things like that. I did coaching and mentoring with somebody about a model and it took a couple years and he kept telling me that and I just couldn't figure it out. And so when you start understanding the side of corporate models or franchise models or whatever they are, there's a model and a layer to it to adding value to somebody else that you get a smaller piece of, but it can be much bigger. And so when you start setting up models for other people to make money, then you move to another level, you know? And so, you know, even when you guys are talking about properties, some people could be going in and setting up a model where they put down a certain amount of money, borrow money with somebody else. They put up money, they get a partner to put up money and they just come up with a model, that kind of model. Maybe they're going to go in and they're going to buy lots of land at a purchase price that they know they can build new construction on. So something like that can be a model and you can do it over and over. And every time it fits your footprint, you do it over and over and over again. It can be the same flip. All right, $200,000 houses, we buy at 130, we put 30 grand in and we sell it for 200, right? And so it's a model. So everything that they're working on will be a model uh, that they can work on. Um, I'm trying to think of what other books that there are. Yeah, I, I personally love those E-Myth books, man. All yeah, of those yeah. are super solid. I, I have a music school that I actually don't do much in. I'm here now, but I really don't have to be here, which is kind of nice. And that book was a huge game changer for me. It got me thinking- sure. How can I remove myself from a business that I am still passionate about? I still show up and hang out, but I was just having a conversation with someone the other day, like, oh, I never see you. Like, how, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, yeah, I just, I, if I'm being honest, I don't need to be here. You know, I have a great staff, great team, great admin. Like I'm just very blessed with good people. And so when I pop in, it's just to say hi to people like you, you know, and, and it was a really cool aha moment where I was like, yeah, that's right. I don't really need to be here, which is why I've taken over our books at Onvi. And it's been, you know, quite a learning curve as well. And I've been getting way more involved in terms of making sure our numbers are running well. So I can relate to you on the numbers thing as well. Like every dollar, you got to be watching it. You got to have your monthlies. I, I, I got to see what's happening. I'm still creating spreadsheets and stuff. So a good takeaway for the audience, something I'm uh, right now experiencing is knowing what's happening in terms of the finances. It's boring, but do it because it's a great measure. I do it for the school as well. I know it's happening every month. I'm lucky that I have this great software that does the reports for me. If I didn't know that, there's no way that I would have a successful business because I, I wouldn't know what's happening. I would just see people like, all right, cool, there's people here, but is it growing or is it dying? You know, and every time it starts to die, I roll up my sleeves and I get a little bit more involved and I'm like, mm-hmm. sit down, and I do some trainings with people. So I noticed you have a lot of franchise locations, right? Like across the nation. How many do you have? 75. 75. That's awesome, man. So what, uh, what led you to do that? Like, how did that come about? Like, how did you manage that? Well, we set up those corporate stores to prove that that model could work without us. And then we brought in franchisees. We had those go on and the first couple of them, we even gave away to just prove the concept that that would work. Um, and then after that, it it really kind of just took off. But, uh, the reason is, uh, plain and simple is economics, right? So what started out was, I couldn't keep leasing out an office and then doing the construction of it and paying another employee. And I had three agents doing two deals, right? On top of, we have a hundred percent commission model. So, so that was that in. So all of that, remember everything I did wrong is what worked backwards to even give me the idea. Now, like I said, I can go in and run somebody else's office 
probably better than them. And so that's the advantage our franchisees get. I have all their numbers, their data comes into Salesforce and we coach on it and help them drive that profit up. Right. And so, and then their mortgage and title. And then, so, so anyway, going backwards is uh, driving the franchise business is because then they, I said, well, then they can, they can each individually open their office. And now it's not all the weight on me, but the difference was I went, they're getting all the profit. So I'm only getting a small royalty and I got to cover the cost with this other thing. So I said, all right, then we got to get a lot of these. And so, so that was where we were driving after going a lot of them. But now, like I said, we'll take that money and go backwards because now we know it works. It works nationwide and we go backwards and we'll open up corporate stores because that way we'll get the profit of the store and the royalty and control the mortgage and title versus our franchisees are getting it that way. But the main thing of all of it is because it can run virtual now. Because that is set up. We have offices that have an office, let's say in Florida, but they have agents in Alabama or Ohio or whatever it is, even out of their one franchise, because they're essentially running their own national real estate company because we have the plug and play for a national real estate company. So they buy one franchise, but then they and they usually finance it, but now they just run all the way across the country and then they take their mortgage and title to it. And so it's just completely different than anyone else was really looking at. We've become the foundation. Of, of people going from being an agent to running a national, they run their national company from, from our put, footprint. And they even do it sometimes without an office. They do it without admin because we have all the support staff. So so it's just, it's been insane. Um, and so again, we did it because we didn't have one infuse the capital, but now they're getting hip to it and they're not infusing the capital. So now they're getting all the money and they're doing it that way. And so, so that's the, it, it led to, the idea led to saving money but really it led toward that it became their benefit that they said, well, shoot, then we'll do it this way too. Cause of COVID COVID, it was a pivot. I mean, we had to go, we're like, well, nobody's going to the office, but we're still selling real estate. Okay. Then why do we need an office? <laughs> so, you know, and that, like you said, you're like, well, I run the business and I'm not going in. Well, they could run the business, answer a phone call or do whatever, whatever it was without even having to go in and they could see the report. They knew what was going on. Agents didn't even care. Agents said, let me go do my deal, put the system into a system and pay me my check on time. And if I got a question, I'll call you. That's that's the today's. So so overall, how is business going for you now? You were struggling a couple of years ago. It's everything kind of back on its feet and you're doing well. What's going on? Um, Yeah. So we um, we we're doing all right. I mean, uh, you know, we we're we're expected to close about 600 houses this month. Um, We did a billion last year. Um, we're expected to do about 3 billion. I'm expecting us to be on Inman News in the next couple of months with a big announcement of a of, of a big group joining us. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's going through the roof. Oh, uh, we, we just had uh, 14 franchises sell a month ago. So that went on. Um, we have more area reps, which area reps get royalties on it. So people are buying those up and then it's only, we have 20 of those sold already. So, so uh, yeah, it's, it's going, it's insane. Uh, and like you mentioned, we've got a good crew, good group of people. The biggest challenge we have is most people don't even know we exist. And it always takes longer than you think. Like we can see down the road where it's going, but we're not there yet. So it's kind of like frustrating. And at the same time, we always look at it like we ain't made it yet. You know, still we're still baby guppies uh, in this. But, uh, you know, I look at some of these other companies. I, I know they're losing money. Essentially, you can lose money because you can acquire money and go into debt. Right. So if you look at the number, you're losing money. But they're they're maybe growing, you know, in what they're building. We aren't there yet because we haven't taken on that debt to grow. So we're still very profitable. Uh, and then we're just using that profit again to go build the leverage just as, as part of the, the model. So, yeah, so we're. That's what you got. 
Yeah, so Ryan, so you said you have about 75 uh, franchises, right? So do you hold like a, a note position on those or do you are you taking some form of equity or you, do they pay you a fee? They, no, we so we usually, it depends on where they're at. And so we sell the capital company to buy and churn some of those notes off to put money into the franchise business to leverage growth. Uh, and then we keep some of them in-house. So we have a, a good amount of them on our balance sheet as well for cash flow that comes in. So so yeah, we do it, we do it a... a both ways. So, so, cause, the, cause again, that amount of money in there is just that churning amount. So we're just buying those out at a small amount with the payments coming in now. Yeah. So even if you make like thousand bucks a franchise or even 500 bucks, you're making like 30 to 70 grand a month. Just, that's just pure cash flow. Yep. That's, yeah. That's but really for good. them, this is the beauty of it. And real estate agents are getting it. If they were a real estate agent at like a, a, a KW and had a $25,000 a year cap, they're like, wait a minute. I can pay you this monthly fee and now I'm only at $50 and $150 transaction fee and I'm paying you 800, but that's over five or over three years. 800 would be over three years. I pay you 800 for three years. I get a five-year term. You see what I mean? Like they're like, wait a minute, why would I do that? And then they can add as many agents as they want to their office. So they're only paying at one time and then they're adding agents in. They can put agents on hundred percent and they just get a cut. What's that? Do you get a cut on the sales? We get, make? We get 150 transaction fee. That's it. $150 per transaction? Yeah. So I know you're doing the math on our business. So we have 75 franchises that sell a $25,000 franchise fee, financed at 12%. Some of the people pay it up front. They, they don't want to pay interest, which we're fine with. Some of them have already paid them off too. But And then, and then yeah, every agent, they pay a tech fee uh, and they get all of our technology package and then they pay 150 transaction fee. So that's, and what does it cost you to have to do that work for, you know, it's got to cost you at least something. Well, so right? we have all this, remember, we have that lease space. We have all of those, we have all the support people. So we also run closing coordination. Uh, we, we onboard and offboard their agents. So we, we do that. But everything we're doing now is re-adding the money into automating. So, so now it's automated. We have 10 employees. So, so you're like EXP. From franchise salespeople all the way down to closing coordination. And there's three in that department. Uh, we're very, very skinny. We run the finances. We outsource um, a lot of our stuff to keep it all skinny. So remember everything I learned the hard way, I, I, I'm going backwards the other way now. And so, yeah, so we can scale and grow quickly. So you're kind of following like the model of uh, uh, EXP Realty, huh? It's kind of like technology-based. It, it's, hard, it's hard to say, but if you were going to look at it, we are Fathom, EXP, Real, and KW. We, but there's not anyone that's like us because, but because real is all, um, is, is a corporate model. Keller Williams is a franchise model, right? So when you start looking at models, Keller Williams franchise, there's no stock in the play and they have a whole other model where you got to have like 250 grand to open an office and then it's 25 cap and all that. It's, it's heavy, right? And then, then you've got the EXP side, which is great, but then they're pulling the 20% and then providing the stock part. But it's again, it's corporate. Our franchisees own their business. They can sell the franchise. So if they get their business to twenty thousand a month in profit, and they can put somebody in to run it, then they have the ability to go sell that off at whatever the multiplier would be, right? So they're making two fifty a year, and they would turn around. I'm just making that number up, but if they made two fifty a year, then they would be able to go out there and sell that for whatever it would be seven fifty, a million dollars. They have a product they can sell, right? And so most people are too busy. Y'all mentioned this a couple times: is working a job and then investing money somewhere else. But in our industry, you can work your job, can be building your business, right? And so as they add agents, they add transactions, they're doing that every day. That's their job. 
they get the return. They get the revenue every month of the profit. And then they can turn around and be able to sell the product, their product when they're done. If they, if they want to, they don't ever have to sell a business, but, but they, they have that, that model. So. That's super interesting, man. I like it. Uh, Drew uh, works for uh, KW. Uh, he's a realtor too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool how the different models work. And, and, you know, we thought it's best to get more human connections and uh, meet people and learn from other people, you know, so uh, a brick and mortar usually helps. EXP is more online and you're also, you know, a little bit, we look to you for um, technology-based assistance or uh, how to mentor the the kids and stuff, right? So very interesting, very, uh, very, uh, very cool model. Uh, Drew, do you have any uh, final uh, thoughts or you want to, I don't want to keep them too long. Yeah, just a one, I always love to ask this question. Um, if you could do anything different, Ryan, like what would it that just one thing on your whole journey you got to pick one what's something you would do differently this is something i usually say all the time so i'm assuming it would be the 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 one thing that i would do differently is if i could do it over again i probably wouldn't have taken all the risks that i took right like i mean in doing it and, and i don't mean by playing small and i it's it's a hard thing to fathom right because it's I know what what we're at, where we're at today, but just kind of looking back on it is if I had an opportunity and I knew what I knew now, if I knew what I knew now, not knowing what we, how, what level where we'd be at, but just saying, just knowing what I know about business and things like that, I would have taken a safer route. I think I would have taken a safer route than to go spend all of the money that I spent to build a whole new company, a new brand, a new thing. I would have gone over to Keller Williams and said, will you guys sell me an area rep? and allow me to go sell. So I would have just fast-tracked it. It would have fast-tracked me from having to do it because then you can buy the whole infrastructure already there on a model that's already going. That's that's what I, that would have been a, a smarter play for me at that point in time. Now, I, mean, I don't know what they charge. They don't have any available, but but that kind of concept. So, sorry, my dog is barking right now. That's coming up. So, so anyway, well, that's that, awesome. That's what I, I would have fast-tracked. So. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. I know you're, you're busy. You got the dogs yapping and stuff. Thanks for taking time with us, man. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Uh, anything that you're kind of curious about as to how, you know, what we're doing and all that? Um, it's coming off the top of my head. I know we chatted a little bit, you know, offline part of it, but I mean, it, it sounds, you know, sounds great. Y'all are taking up the properties and, you know, sharing with these everybody else of how to do this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I like it. I like the model. I like what you're going after. I think it's smart to keep your cash flow of your money coming in and buying assets. You're building, uh, you're building wealth and, and you're sharing the, on the journey, you know, with everybody else. So if there's anything I can do to help, I'd love to. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Vince, do you have any last uh, questions or thoughts? No, it was really good, man. So, um, I, I like the question that Drew asked you, like uh, he always asked that, like, what would you have done differently? So I asked like the, something similar, but it is if if there's people out there, you know, they are working a job, they're working in McDonald's, they're waiting tables, they're making $40,000, $50,000 a year. They don't see any career path for them, you know, to attain the things they want to do. What would you advise them? Because I, I like that you are a plumber and then you you do like really cool stuff. I mean, it would be easier if your dad was uh, last name was Trump, right? But it, it's not. But you still were able to make that switch. So, what would you say to people who are listeners? You know, just working regular jobs to trying to achieve what you're trying to do or doing now. 
Um, you know, there's, there's a couple pieces to that part of it, but one is the circle of the people you're around. I mean, obviously they're listening to this or already trying to gain the knowledge and do it. Right. And so they say the average times a person tries something before they give up, do you know what it is? Average time someone tries something before they give up. I think it's seven times. I don't know. And there's no way to really prove it, but the answer that I heard was zero. Right. And so zero, because they talk themselves out of it before they even try. Right. They say, my dad's not Trump. I don't have the money. I don't have this. My stupid, crazy tail just took the risk and went in and with, went with I didn't know. The problem is, is sometimes they just know too much. They know what can go wrong and what would go wrong, you know, and they talk themselves out of it, you know. And so you've got to have that hustle. There's David Goggins book. I listen to it over and over again. Uh, I, I don't love the, the language of it. Um, but the, um, but you know, the, you can't hurt me book, but the, um, but the ideal of it is your mental ability. I mean, you are stronger when you think you're empty, you've got 40% more, you do your job during the day and you build your business at the kitchen table. Right. And so this office is at my house. I'm sitting here looking at P and L's non solicitation agreements and, uh, and, and drawings on a building while I'm at home. Right. So like, that's, that's what I do when I watch, I watch, we were, or the, we crash series. I watch social network. I, I watch, um, um, what is it? Super pumped. I'm always watching these other businesses because I can just visualize that that's where we're going and what we're doing. But that's my entertainment. That's my fun. You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to go after it. You cannot stop and let something talk you out of it. Now, you need to do that with some wisdom as well, right? So if you're not a salesperson, going into sales is probably a bad idea. If you're a numbers person, then stick to your last. Stay to what you're good at in that type of business. Don't try and go, you don't need to go be Elon. You, you don't know cars and space or whatever it is, not that he necessarily did, but but my point is if you don't have to go into a space that you're not good at, right? So stay with what you're good at. Learn your learn about yourself. Learn to really ask yourself the questions. What am I good at? What will I stop at? What, 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 what am I afraid of? But it could also be things like public speaking. If public speaking, I'm just not a good public speaker. I'm not going to be able to do it. You can develop that and grow that if that's a part and parcel to what you're going after, right? And so, so anyway, doing that, figuring that out. Again, working at the kitchen table. I mean, I, that's why I keep looking over here. The Ray Dalio book. I mean, like there's there's books here. There's books in the office. There's books on audio. And I read. I work all day. Be done. Get get you know my son eating or something like that. Watch one of those shows. And while it's on a commercial, I'll be reading a book like in the middle of because I just have to get all of that information in here because I know that the next decision is going to be delayed based on the information or when I'm not there or ready for it. Right. And so I'm just pushing that hard. And part of me is going, we're running out of time, you know, and speaking of, I know you probably got to go, but, but we're running out of time in life and we've got to, we've got to go faster than we think we do. I think uh, just real quick, the comment, I always like to kind of like wrap up like little nuggets for, uh, for the audience. And also for myself, it's one of my hacks for memorizing, you know, certain things. I really like what you said earlier about, um, you know, so you you said something about like opportunities, knowing how to find and see those opportunities and, and, and take those opportunities. That's a big part of what success in life is about, especially for us, is seeing the opportunity and then also having the education to know how to seize it and optimize it for yourself, for your own success. And so I think the lesson I'm taking from this is educate yourself because the whole time you've been talking, I'm just like writing stuff down like, oh my God, like you're on a different level, dude, just awesome. So that's why I'm like, selfishly like hey well, what books do i have to read to like catch up man you know <laughs> so i think a huge part of it is educating yourself so you're setting that foundation 
So whenever you do see the opportunities, I think that's what Rich Dad Poor Dad really did for us is it didn't really teach you how to buy and run numbers. It didn't that's teach right. you any of that. It just kind of turned your brain on to seeing the opportunities mm-hmm. and starting to make a move in a different way than what you may have been taught. So just you know, right. most of them have been taught to be a poor dad, essentially go to college, get a job, you get the white picket fence and the wife, and then you die, you know, and, and this book just changes your brain. So I think for the audience real quick, educate yourself as much as possible, become obsessive with your own success, uh, find your why, because that will push you to stay you know, hungry and educating yourself, listening to podcasts like this one, reading books, rich dad, poor dad, all that stuff. Or what uh, Ryan was saying, live rich by spending smart, profit first. I've heard a lot about profit first, actually. I need to pick that one up. Anyways, educate yourself, and then you can start to go and make those decisions. You're still going to mess up. You're still going to have to fail forward. But as long as you continue building yourself and building your mindset and then seeing those opportunities and striking whenever it comes, I think that's the, that's the answer. That's the proven map for success from what I've gathered from the, the, the handful of super successful guys like yourself. You know, so thank you. Thank you for your time and for that nugget, man. Did I get that right? What do you think? No, I, I think you nailed it. No, that's, that's, that's great. That's a good takeaway and implementation steps, right? I mean, so it's all about implementation. What are they going to take away from this podcast that they're going to put into action? You know, because if not, I mean, whether we were coaching on franchisees or other people, you can talk on a high level and they can say, hey, it's too high. I can't figure it out. And they're going, man, if this idiot can figure it out, you can go figure it out. You just have to have that desire to want to go do it. And the person who watches this podcast, who puts the most into action is going to find the most success. That's really, that's really what it comes down to. Now, you're also going to have people that are going to watch this podcast and watch five others. And so sometimes I, I turn them off because I can't, too many books, too many things in your head can be too much at some at times. But anyway, they, they've got to pick a lane and go into it. They don't got to go do all of it at once. You got to find the success in one lane and, and not, not mess up the pattern and go too many directions at the same time. So, so, and we, hit a, so we hit a broad can, thing. Uh, sorry. What was that? We hit a broad band. Like I tried <laughs> to stay wide on a lot of this. So yeah. somebody was watching for one reason would get something and somebody for another and somebody for another. So I tried to, to try and give them value in different avenues, but go ahead. Sorry. Love it. Love it. Um, before we wrap uh, Vince, did you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, I wanted to. I, I like uh, um, how uh, Ryan and I are super similar in terms of uh, you know constantly reading and watching. You can see I have a library behind me. All the books is recommended. You know, I constantly read and uh, do the audiobooks. But I like you're also like that. Nice to see another crazy person out there uh, watching or uh, reading a book while there's a commercial going on. You know, when your kid is watching something else. I, I like to joke because every time I'm at Vin- I pop over to Vince's house sometimes unannounced. And uh, every time I'm over there, he's watching porn. And by porn, I mean Zillow. <laughs> he's like <laughs> some video on real estate, Grant Cardone, or like he's on Zillow. Usually at the same time, I'm like, you have a problem. <laughs> but it's also why we've been able to scale so quickly. You know, so yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Um, I like that you have a really good hustle and like you're always like, um, you're always like trying to learn. That's That's very nice to see i mean if people had that you know i think they can be very successful i think the closing uh, t- uh thought would be uh, i think ryan mentioned it uh was uh, you know a lot of people think knowledge is power knowledge is not power knowledge is just knowledge action is power you know like if knowledge was power everybody will be a billionaire with six-pack abs right so i would say uh, applied knowledge yeah that's that's the answer 
Yeah. I, I know how the, you know, the pentatonic scales are, but I, I can never play it as good as Drew, right? Because he's, uh, he's been doing that crap for, for 20 years. You got to learn a solo, bro. I told I, you, I man. I, I know. Clapton solo, the game has changed, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, Ryan, how do uh, people get in touch with you, man? Do you have social media or what do you got going on? If, uh, yeah, or what do you I'm offer? Not- I've got an Instagram. Um, Ryan 80 is my Insta. I, I don't do a ton on it. I mean, I, I only say that because if somebody found it on there, they can message me. I have Facebook, but um, the, I think it's full. So like you'd have to do a, a follow, I guess. And, but I will answer those messages. That's usually how I get outside messaging. They obviously can go to our first class real estate.com website. Uh, and that has everything we have to offer. And all of those kind of things can go through. I, I kind of am still in it. I get the email, but it goes to me and somebody else. So I, I kind of know what's going on. So, um, you know, they can reach out that way, but, but yeah, so, and then we have a bunch of stuff on there too, um, that are just like blog type stuff we did that is similar to what we've talked about today, whether that's cash flow or profit or whatever, they can kind of pick one of those out and then we kind of drill down. Cause we got, we could talk about this stuff all day, right? I mean, there's, there's so many details to all this stuff and that's what makes it so fun and fascinating, whether it's business or financing or, you know, growth or models. I mean, there's just, there's a ton to it. So. Yeah, I almost feel like we should do like a part two. Like, you know, we could have you back on and we could like micro nuance on the franchise model or assets or how, or, you know, whatever. There's so much, man. You're a, a whole plethora of, of knowledge. So to wrap, uh, I just added you on Facebook. So we're official now, Ryan. <laughs> Find his Instagram, Ryan, R-H-Y-A-N-80 uh, on Instagram and uh First class real estate, that's first with like the number one. So one st classrealestate.com uh, to learn more about him. And it looks like you got a book as well, man. So I might check out your book as well and, and just give that a read as a realtor and as someone who's always hungry looking for new opportunities. So I'm, I'm going to give you a purchase, brother. I, I appreciate it. Um, the, uh, I could send you one, but the, um, the, the book was set up to kind of tell the story ahead of time, right? So you're trying to get national exposure. I'm usually wherever you see, I try and think three steps ahead, but I don't ever let everybody know kind of what we're doing. They just kind of see it as we go along. But the book was a, pre- a preface to kind of this whole play. So Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, man. Really appreciate all the value you just brought me, Vince, and all of our listeners. We're going to be sharing this with everybody for sure. This is a big one. Thanks for we'll having We'll probably me. have you back on soon, man, because I feel I like there's to. just so much we can get into so i, I love to yeah. i probably i can pick up more i need to go back and watch some of these things and get some more nuggets from you guys so yeah all right we'll talk well, soon. thanks man thanks guys all right have a good one.